Welcome to Sunshine State Takes, everyone. This is Matt McConnell along with my partner, Brandon Carroll. It is a Saturday morning, probably Saturday afternoon by the time we get this episode out to you guys. But nonetheless, we're excited to be here. We're going to cover this Blazers-Grizzlies playing game. It's the start of the NBA playoffs, and you kind of just rewind to March 11th for a sec when this whole thing got called off. It's a little crazy to think that we're here now. We got the NBA back on its feet, and we got the playoffs starting today. So, uh... Any early thoughts for you, Brandon? How are you doing this morning? Uh, you know, I'm doing good, but uh, I'm excited to get into some NBA talk today. You know, we've been doing some NFL previews and things like that, so I'm excited to be able to talk about a bit of something else, and we're see we're getting to see some playoffs, so I'm I'm excited. Yeah. So you got you got to be excited for it. Uh, you know, play in game format, uh, one and done if the Blazers win uh, for Memphis. That is so. It's kind of like I said it right before we started. It's kind of like waking up on a wild card Saturday in January, you know, it's just a little uh, playoff adrenaline anticipation in there. So it'll be exciting. It'll be fun to watch. We're going to get into our intro and then uh, we're going to go from there. Absolutely. Let's get it. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sunshine State Takes, episode 23. And today we're really going to discuss the NBA playoffs and the implications that the today's play-in game between Portland and Memphis has on the rest of the Western Conference. And then we might touch on some East, but we'll save the round one talk for a later date. But Matt, before we get into the thick of things, what's on your mind? Yeah, man. Um, I want to discuss a tweet with you. You actually put it out last night and... It was about steak, yeah. so i i want to I want to discuss this real quick because I think it's an interesting conversation to have, and it's a good way to kind of get to know each each other in terms of how we like our food and whatnot. I feel like that's an important thing, and also, uh, you know, it's a it's American sports playoff season, so it's always good to discuss food and stuff like that. Um, so you said you went with medium. I did. Is yes. there a is it all is that how it's always been for you? Just Kind of, I feel like when it comes to stuff like that, because me personally, like I've been ordering like steak and burgers at restaurants medium well for as long as I can remember. And that's kind of just always been the way it is. I don't know if it's because like when I was young and my parents ordered it or what, but I've always gone medium well. So is that always how it's been for you? Yeah. So I've always known my parents to get medium. Um, they, that's kind of what I was introduced to. And I think I just think it's the right um, you know, it's the right tenderness in the middle. You know, it's not too tough to where it's overcooked, but it's not, you know, still to where if it gets put back on the cow, the cow can walk away. So right. I just think that with the medium, it's, you know, the right level of pink on the inside. 
it still has that juicy flavor, but there's no gristle or, you know, there's no fat on the outside and stuff like that. Right. So I, I'm just a big medium guy. I've always been. Right. And so, yes, I can say that it's just been something that is, has occurred throughout my lifetime. Um, you know, I also, I can go, you know, medium rare, medium well, but I, I the extremes on the outside, I cannot, but you know, it's right. right in that middle range, but medium hundred percent is where I'm at. Yeah. Cause me personally, like, I feel like, I feel like medium rare, medium and medium well are the acceptable options. I yes. don't know anyone who goes rare or well done. Yeah. And so I just I, wanted to, to have that discussion and kind yeah. of see what the reasoning was for that. It's always interesting to kind of talk that stuff. Um, I have a medium well for as long as I can remember. Now that's at restaurants. Sometimes my dad will grow, throw some steaks on the grill out back. And I think those tend to be more medium, which are just as good. It's nice and juicy. And, um, you know, honestly, I can get behind any kind of steak, just not well done or rare. Yeah. So I actually know, um, I'm starting to know more people that like it rare. Um, really? Yeah. My sister's brother and then, or no. My girlfriend's brother and sister's husband, they both like okay. um, it rare. And um, as well as my friend Grant, um, he likes his rare. He actually commented and said, uh, hold on, let me look. He said, just cut it off the cow, chop and flop into the plate. And so I <laughs> that's just, um, I guess, a preference. But I think that made the vegans pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I guess it's just a preference. Um, I could, I just can't even fathom of even desiring to eat it rare. But you know, yeah. it's what some people like. So, right. who's who am I to judge them? Exactly. So, what's on your mind this Saturday morning? Really? Uh, so on Wednesday we were talking about you know, or it was Thursday. We we did an episode Thursday. On Thursday we were talking about you know. I, my mom told my mom I was golfing, how I've been really getting into that. I went yesterday. Front nine, you know, I was doing all right. Back nine, I fell apart. Just absolutely yeah. fell apart. And um, I just started to get to the point where I was just hacking balls left and right. I was losing balls, and I was just like, you know what? I'm wasting money at this point. The money that yeah. I spent to be able to play these 14 holes to this point, I am losing by losing all these balls. So, yeah. I took my talents back to my truck and I decided it was, uh, you know, cause I was playing by myself. I was just, right. my, my girlfriend was riding along with me, but, um, I just decided it was time for me to Pack take, yeah, just, you know, take a bit. So, you know, as, as much as golf is a fun activity that we can all get outdoors in this time of COVID and everything, man, is it frustrating. And, you know, it might it, be the it, most frustrating sport there is and honestly. expensive. I tell you what, it is expensive. Yeah, I mean, what like I said, I said it last week. My golf experience is limited, but the few times I've been out there, man, it's it's just so hard not to get frustrated uh, because you know the only thing you really want to do when you're out there is hit the ball well. Exactly. And when when you're not doing that, you're getting mad. So I, I get it. Um, and and yeah, I I probably it'll take a while before I will not get frustrated on the golf course. I'm sure. Absolutely. I'm sure I'll probably never even reach a point where I don't get frustrated on the golf course. <laughs> I think it's bound to happen. But yeah, I, I can only imagine the frustration, especially if you're just going hole after hole, hacking them. I, yeah. I, I know that because even, like I said, I, I'm, I'll go to Top Golf all the time. And even at Top Golf, I'll get, I'll get frustrated if I don't hit them well. Because when yeah. I go there, I just want to crush them to the back. 
I had a, that doesn't happen. It's frustrating. Yeah, I had a chip in for par on number nine. Um, yeah, it was for par. So it was a par three, but okay. I so I struggled to get it. Um, like I hit it, it went left of the green, and then I chipped it up. It went rolled past the hole, went onto the other side, and so. Um, it was just right off the fringe because I, I hit it a little harder than I wanted to. Um, and I so I chipped it into the hole and I was like, all right, maybe that's what I needed. Get to hole 10, you know, it was solid, but it wasn't anything special. And then 11, I was just, you know, it was, it started to go downhill. And I could tell that I was, it was starting to get to the point where I was like, all right, let's see what's going to happen because I just can't be losing all these balls like this. Cause, it's got to be a, fat- a fatigue thing too, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like one thing that's not really talked about with golf is it, it you know, it's a bit tiring, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's a, it, I feel like it's kind of in terms of like a, a pitcher in baseball, just having to do the same repetitive motion for the duration of the game. Yeah. You know, that, that catches up. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with golf because you're kind of just doing that same movement every time, especially, you know, in this f- stupid Florida humid heat. I can imagine it, it it can catch up to you pretty quickly. So yeah, for sure. Um, the crazy thing about it was is the fact that I had already played on Thursday, so I played eighteen holes on Thursday. I was trying to run it back with a different course um, on Friday, which was yesterday, and I just think the fact that golfers can go seventy two holes within the four day span is just remarkable because i was yesterday i was getting out there and i was feeling the effects of me going 18 on fr- on thursday because you know i'd, I'd come through a swing a bit too hard and my lower back would start to pinch just because like it, it's a repetitive motion that you're having to do and you know i, I understand why tiger has been out a few times now for, for yeah. injury because right. golf as but while it might not be a contact sport it definitely takes a toll on you because of the torque and everything you have to have to be able to put the ball not only where you want it or not only distance wise, but where you want it on the green and things like that. So it is a difficult game that everyone, you know, I mean, I, I find it really fun. I find it a game that you should definitely try to play because it's relaxing at times, but it's still, uh, you know, I feel like I should be so much better at it than I am. And it's just, there's so many different ways to hit a ball and things like that. It's just so difficult. Right. How long would you how long would you say you've been going golfing for? Uh consistently? Like uh like throughout do you mean over my lifetime? Well, I I'd say consistently. Okay. Now, like as of recent. Uh, as of recent, I would say about a month or two. Okay. Um, yeah. I went, but I went once earlier in the summer, but I I would really yeah. love to get back out there again. Yeah. I started going a lot with my dad um, right before he passed. So we were going pretty consistently, you know, just course here and there. And then I would go to the driving range in between when we went just because I was trying to get better. And then now I probably go, honestly, I probably go more to play. But, um, you know, I'll go to the driving range occasionally as well. So I'd say, yeah, two, three months-ish. Probably really since uh, quarantine, I'd say I really started picking it back up. But there was a while where, um, you know, I tried to try out in high school because I was like, oh, it's golf. I Like, how bad can it be? You know, mm-hmm. not really understanding the concept of this is going to be difficult. Um, and so I did that. And then I was like, OK, this, you know, I started playing and stuff. 
And then I was just like, okay, I'm done. I can't. I can't yeah. take just this unneeded frustration all of the time. Right. And now, especially in a competitive atmosphere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you know, I, I'm, I'm very competitive, and I have been since I was little. So losing in general always makes me pretty like I'm just like, I'm work. I'm trying to work on like not being frustrated, not showing that I'm frustrated because. I can at times be a bit of a poor sport, I guess, but it's yeah. just because I enjoy, I think that I should be, you know, winning in everything I do. I, I hold myself to that standard. So it's uh it's definitely a difficult task, but we continue to grind towards it. Exactly. And so. one day it'll pay off. So absolutely. Uh, I think we're ready to get into this game here. For sure. This, I'm down. This playing game. So we got the, uh, the, the Blazers and Grizzlies going on at 2.30 p.m. today on ABC. Um, I, I just don't think there's really enough that you could say. I, I think Damian Lillard's a good place to start with this game. I think all eyes are on him. Absolutely. And did, there's not there's just not enough you could say about it. I remember we did a bubble preview back when, and uh, I thought one of the main concerns surrounding the Blazers was Damian Lillard goes on this insane run right before COVID hits. And then you got to take this five month gap and, you know, come back and do this restart. And it, my, my concern is how is Damian Lillard going to look in the bubble, uh, a Portland team that was already struggling. If he was going to go silent, uh, you know, where exactly were the Blazers going to go from there? And quite frankly, the opposite happened, especially over the last three games. I think he's put up like 154 combined i know he had that 61 point game and then he put up like 50 something following and then 42 against the nets um and you know i definitely think as of now he's playing with a chip on his shoulder uh because he had that whole thing with skip bayless i don't i think i mentioned that on the last show i don't know if you saw much about that but I did not. um you know i think skip bayless was just kind of you know, running his mouth on him and saying, Dame, he's like, I don't understand the Dame hype. He never wins in any big moments and stuff like that. And then I guess Lillard called him up on the phone and they argued about it. And uh, Lillard came out and dropped 42 points in this Nets game. Or it might have even been the 61 point game that occurred right after that whole feud. But either way, you know, it, it definitely is something that got to his head and he came out and did something about it. So, um, I think Willard's got the hot hand in this game and uh because of it I don't I don't see it slowing down. And it it should definitely help the Blazers out a lot in this game and uh you got to imagine if they they win this game and they go in to the Lakers which we'll get into uh you know as long as Willard keeps the hot hand going this this Blazers team can be dangerous is the point I'm trying to make. Absolutely. And uh one thing about Lillard is that you know, you mentioned it. He came out of the bubble and was just – he picked up right where he left off. He has been spectacular since returning to, you know, gameplay. And, um, you know, as a guy that's averaging 30 points a game, um, in the last five games he has dropped 45, and then uh, they lost to the Clippers. Their only loss during the span, he had 22 points on 43% shooting from the field. But from then, he's scored 51, 61, and 42. He's dropped above 40 in four out of the last five games. And I'm going to calculate the average real quick because I was trying to do that while I was talking, but it didn't go the way I wanted it to. So uh, 44.2 points per game in the last five games. The one game he didn't get above, really above 25 points. 
they lost. And so I just think that Damian Lillard is so yeah. crucial to this Portland team's success and the way he's playing right now. And I think after the Clippers game is the game that that uh, what just happened? Hello. I can hear you. Okay, Did sorry. Did go off? Sorry, it, it was just something that went... It, it was talking about Karis LeVert or something like that. Um, but uh, what I was saying is that Portland relies on Damian Lillard so much. And after the Clippers game, I'm pretty sure that's the game that Skip Bayless kind of gave him some, um, gave him some right. flack about. Just because uh, if you look at it, he only had 22 points, 5 assists, and 3 rebounds. Which, for a player... You know, of any other caliber than Damian Lillard, that's still a solid game. Twenty-two points is nothing to really um, look at and be like, "Oh, that's a terrible game." You know what I mean? But at the same right. time, you're seeing a guy play thirty-nine minutes and come out. Yet they're only losing to a team that's widely considered as the best team in the NBA, alongside the Lakers, one twenty-two to one seventeen, with their star player only scoring twenty-two points. So I think Portland yeah. has a legitimate shot to be able to, you know, make some noise not only in this uh, playing game where they only have to win one, while Memphis has to win two, but they're going to have a legitimate shot to make some noise, maybe in the longevity of the playoffs by giving a you know the lakers a run which we'll talk about in just a minute right so obviously that, that's the whole deal with lillard he's incredible he's uh you know no shot no signs of slowing down uh you know with the restart another guy we got to get into is the rookie on the the on the memphis grizzlies starting his first playoff game john morant and what he what he's been able to do this season has just been incredible he has made some of the flashiest plays you'll see from a rookie he's probably going to win rookie of the year my my thing is you know this is his playoff debut but it's not your typical playoff debut uh i wouldn't say it's anything of the sorts so i a question i have for you is so say say uh is john morant's performance in this game an accurate measure of what we could expect a playoff john morant to look like given kind of the circumstances of the bubble and what has happened with this season I don't think so, and I, I don't really hold it to being John Morant's place to take over as a rookie. I think he's still developing within right. his skill set, and I think it's going to be huge without the you know having uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. by his side. Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, is out for the remainder of the season, whether that's you know tonight or maybe even let's say they beat Portland twice, which I doubt seeing that. But I just think John Morant has had you know he's averaging seventeen point eight points per game um, right. has. Uh, 3.9 rebounds and seven assists or yeah so he, he's put on a solid rookie campaign I think he's our rookie of the year and I, I don't think it's questionable you know Zion hasn't really had much impact in the games that or, you know he hasn't had much impact because of the limited amount of minutes he's been able to see this season and I just think John Morant while this might not be a telling of what we're going to see in the future considering the pieces around him just aren't there um, I definitely think that we are going to see a bigger and better John Morant maybe in the future for this Grizzlies team if they can rekindle you know the playoff run that they had before the injuries to Jaron Jackson Jr. in the two and six bubble uh you know bubble fiasco that really went on there right yeah I I mean I I think if you're the Grizzlies you're just I mean I don't want I don't want to put it like this because obviously you know they're a playoff team they they won the games they had to win but I, I think if you're the Grizzlies, I think you're you're just, I think you're just happy to be there. You know, like yeah, you you take John Morant two overall, you get to the playoffs in his first season. Given all the circumstances, it's a it's a successful season for 
the the Grizzlies regardless, I feel like. And obviously it it's unfortunate that uh, you know, Jaron Jackson's injured and stuff. That just that hurts their chances of taking this game much more. Yeah. Um when it comes to this game though, there's something uh probably the most eye popping stat to me is Portland uh since being in the bubble has shot 41.4% from three, which is pretty darn good. And meanwhile, on the other hand, Memphis has only shot 31.7% from three. And I, I feel like the three-pointer, I feel like, is definitely how Portland likes to play their game. I mean, Lillard pulls up and shoots from the logo, uh, you know, about as often as Bill O'Brien makes a move that uh, drives the Texans further into the ground. I think it's it's pretty often to see, you know, Lillard pull up from there, and he's pretty reliable from there. And uh, it seems like the Blazers all around are, a th- uh, you know, just a pretty hot-handed three-point shooting team. So, uh, you know, can, can Memphis keep up with them in that regard? Uh, the, the stats tell you they can't, but um, if Portland gets off to the good, a good start f- from behind the arc, what does Memphis have to do to uh, limit the damage early? Well, I honestly think Portland gets off to a hot start behind the three-point line. You know, Lillard is – we, we I, I know we just got off of him, but you bringing up three-point percentages um, reminds me that Lillard takes the same amount of three-point attempts and two-point attempts at 10.2 per game throughout this season, and he's averaging 40.1% uh, from behind the three-point line on 10 shots per game. And that's, that's just – you know, he's knocking down – uh, four out of 10 of his shots, which, you know, it might not look as spectacular, but 40% from the behind the three point line is just, it's remarkable because that is a line, you know, normally we're starting to see it try to start to trend up to more of the 40 range with the new era, you know, point guards and shooters that we have in the NBA, um, following the revolution of the game by a guy that you are not very fond of in Steph Curry. But, um, I do think that, it's still a range of like 37, 38 as a, as a normal range. A guy like Carmelo, who's taken 3.9 per game as 38.5%. So, you know, we have, uh, there's that, but at the same time, Portland is a team that they can get it done in the paint outside and in the middle. They, they offensively, I think Portland is, you know, one of the better teams in the NBA. Damian Lillard can shoot from anywhere on the court. If he crosses half court, you better be in his face because he will pull it. CJ McCollum is a great, you know, he, he 45.1 uh, field goal percentage. He's playing injured right now, so you're not going to see the same CJ McCollum we've seen in recent years, but you're going to see a guy that's still um, one of, you know, a, a premier scorer on this team. Yusuf Nurkic, who I think is criminally undervalued for what he's able to do for the Portland team, um, you know, he is able to really put together some spectacular performances. He averages 17.6 points per game, which is third on the team. Hassan Whiteside is also a guy that comes off the bench for Nurkic at times, who averages 15.5, and he gets it done on the glass with 13.5 rebounds per game. And then Carmelo Anthony has worked the mid-range throughout his entire career, and that's not even to mention... Uh, you know, a few guys like uh, Rodney Hood, who, you know, he might not be spectacular, but he's a relief guy for Damian Lillard. So I think that right. I think that Portland's depth and their just pure talent throughout their roster. I don't know if he's playing today, though. What is it? I don't know if uh, Rodney Hood's playing today, though. I thought I saw in one of the previews I was reading that he might be injured. Oh, yeah? Because I know... Yeah, he- um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I thought okay. I saw his name pop up on an injury. Gotcha. List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my bad. Um, so 
but I was just trying to say, I think that Portland's right. the, their overall depth is just more than you know, than what's more than the Grizzlies are going to be able to contain tonight with you know shooting the three point ball inside offensively overall. So, and the other thing, like this is just a one and done game. I mean, yeah, if Memphis wins, it goes to a game too, but. Uh, you know, Memphis has got to put all in to winning this game because it's a much easier road for the Blazers to get to the first round than it is for the Grizzlies. And that's why I'm kind of just concerned for this Grizzlies team because even if they are kind of able to to squeeze out game one, it, the amount of energy that's going to have to go in to pulling out this win, I you know, it, I don't really even see them turning around and doing it tomorrow. I, I, don't, I don't see the Grizzlies taking two in a row against the Blazers. So I, and you, you, you just named all these guys, you named Tassan Whiteside, you named uh, Nurkic. And I, I just feel like this Blazers team just really, really outsizes this Grizzlies team. And I'm, I'm kind of just struggling to see where the, where, where this game is even really close at all. Um, I I'm having a hard time seeing it. It's, it's going to be a matter of what Morant can do, but I, I think I think we kind of know how this is going to go. I think Lillard's going to drop somewhere from like 38 to 52 in this game, probably. I feel like that's a safe range to set for him, and uh, McCollum's going to have a pretty good game. I, I, di- I didn't get to see that uh, that Nets-Blazers game, but um, I, I was pretty much keeping up with that game through skip bayless's live tweets which if you've never kept up with an nba game through skip bayless's live tweets i think you should do it um it's pretty it's pretty fun it's pretty entertaining and especially for like a no context viewpoint it's it's pretty funny to see some of skips over the top tweets and have that really be the only way you're keeping up with the game and uh you know it seems like he was well because also skips skip is biased so yeah he was he was he was kind of giving lillard his crap and uh, a, a guy that seemed like he was propping up was McCollum. And yeah. uh, so, you know, McCollum came through big in some big moments in that game. You know, I, you should expect more of the same here. Uh, you know, like I said, Portland from the behind the three is just so much better than Memphis is. Um, my only concern, and I kind of talked about, about it, if Memphis is to win, the energy that would kind of need to go into that. My, my, another aspect of this game where I think Memphis can kind of, you know, maybe get off to a hot start and build an early lead is it kind of just depends on, uh, you know, the fatigue of this trailblazers team, you know, where, where are they physically right now? Because they've had to play some really tough games, uh, you know, to get themselves into this position. And, you know, Damian Lillard's kind of had to put the team on his back. They had to outlast that nets in that long game. And, you know, now you're coming into this game and it's the playoffs and uh, you know, it's, it's a matter like where is Portland physically and, uh, could that be a factor in the Grizzlies maybe making this a bit closer than expected? Yeah, we talked about last time how, uh, or before we got on to the show about how um, Memphis, the last time these two played, uh, it was not, you know, a runaway game by any means for the Portland Trailblazers. It was the first game of the seeding, um, you know, the seeding situation going on within the bubble. Um, CJ McCollum led uh, all the Blazers in points with 33 uh, with Lillard leading an assist. So uh, while Lillard wasn't getting it done, I think he scored 24 points in that, that uh, contest. He was able yeah. to get it done through facilitating, and CJ McCollum was able to show you know a flash of what we've seen in, pre- in years past from him. But 
Um, I just think with and and in the long run, Portland won four forty to four or no one forty. Oh my goodness, four forty. That'd be crazy. One forty to one thirty five. Didn't put up four hundred forty points. No. So the, the yeah the Blazers. What is happening? Every time I get in here, it's like uh, the, um, Chris Weber starts speaking to me, and I'm just like, what the heck? But yeah. um, Memphis, the, it was 140 to 135. Like I said, CJ McCollum led the Blazers in points. But I just think that's so there's so much more to you know kind of take a look at with this because even on a night when Lillard was not performing at the high level that he is right now, and we've seen him be able to put up the ridiculous amounts of points um, night in and night out throughout the last five, you know, really even throughout the bubble in general, uh, really starting with the Nuggets before he took that tank against the Clippers. Um, we're just, I don't think Memphis has enough defensively. And I know we keep, you know, I keep saying this, Lillard can get it done through you know facilitating the ball to a guy like CJ McCollum or even Yusuf Nurkic who um, he right. was able to he's been able to score thirty points and lead the team at points in this you know in, in the seeding position or whatever uh, the seeding these seeding games with what Portland has the the really I look at it as a big three with McCollum Nurkic and Lillard along with guys like Whiteside and you know and Carmelo Anthony for a bit of relief from Lillard. I don't know, outside of John Morant, who is going to be able to guard their offensive firepower. Jonas Valanciunas is no match for Yusuf Nurkic. Valanciunas is a great defensive, or he's a great big man, but Yusuf Nurkic is just a, he is a technician in the paint. He can get it done. And, you know, he can crash the boards as well as anybody. Yeah, against the Rockets in the third seeding game, he had 19 rebounds. So there's just so many different ways for this team to be able to not only score the ball, but crash the boards, you know, facilitate the ball to each other. And there, I just don't see a scenario where Memphis not only, you know, has to wins two games, I don't see them even keeping it within a 10-point reach in this one, this first game of the playing game. I, I just don't see yeah. it. This playing series. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. It's unfortunate for Memphis because, you know, obviously it's impossible to not be a fan of John Morant. And when you get a team like this in the playoffs who struggled mightily last year and, uh, you know, you, you want to see a team like this succeed. And it, this playing situation with the West is really tough because I would have been okay with a combination of any of these teams. I would have loved Phoenix to be in this game. Absolutely. Uh, but that would have meant no Damian Lillard in this game. Uh, because if the Nets had won that game, it would have been the Suns and Grizzlies going today, yeah. right? So yeah. as fun of a matchup as that would have been. Um, yeah, it, you, you don't want to see the Grizzlies get blown out. I think that would be kind of a kick in the gut for their franchise after uh, kind of what they were able to do this year. But I think that's just where this game is headed. I don't, I don't, I just don't really, I, I kind of look at, Memphis's starting five in their roster and I, I don't see it I think I you know at the end of the day I'm just still so surprised that the the Blazers record was what it was at the end of the day because this is a team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year yeah and to touch on that a, like a they were in the Western Conference Finals last year and I you know their team didn't really get worse I don't think so 
the fact that they declined in terms of record that much was shocking. But that's the other thing. This team was in the Western Conference Finals last year. And I, I watched probably all I, – I think I watched all four games of that series because I'm a Golden State hater and I wanted to see Steph Curry lose and I wanted to see him lose his mouth – throw his mouth guard and fake another hand injury. But um, the Blazers blew at least like three double-digit second-half leads in that series. Yeah. Um, and if they win this game against the uh, Grizzlies, they're, they're kind of going to – they're going to get a shot at the Lakers who we talk about are, uh, you know – can be a little troubling in terms of depth. And, uh, you know, a big question will be uh, how far can LeBron and AD take this team because they're going to have to do most of the work. Um, you know, the, the Blazers are going to get a shot, and they're they're going to be confident that they could go in and beat the Lakers. And I, I, think, I think that ship on that shoulder is going to be there after what happened to them in the Western Conference Finals last year. Uh, because coming into it, you know, obviously you, you were going to – like you would pick Golden State to win that series. But if you really kind of go back and look at those games and what happened in those games, it, it was Portland series to lose. Absolutely. And they lost it. Yeah. So there, there's going to be, um, you know, some hunger and some vengeance for this Blazers team if they're able to get past the Grizzlies today, especially knowing that, hey, we get to go up against the best team in the West. Uh, we get to go up against LeBron. Uh, let's turn some heads here. And, I, you know, you, you got to imagine that, the Blazers have a team that can do it. it. It just doesn't, it's just so shocking that their record is what it was this year. Yeah. Which is why as, as the Los Angeles Lakers, I am praying that Memphis is able to win two games and be able to knock out Portland as anyone involved in that frame. Obviously competition is a big, you know, guys like LeBron AD, they love competition. They want to be able to, you know, be able to beat, play a team as high caliber as Portland, despite not being able to show it with their record. But with where Los Angeles is trying to go this year, which the ultimate goal is getting to the NBA Finals, of course, Portland presents a scare factor, in my opinion. Not in the not in the aspect of them being able to beat the Lakers in the first round, because I just don't think that Damian Lillard is going to be enough to beat Los Angeles outright. But... This playing game has larger implications than just this playing game because if the Lakers have to go six, seven games in round one, what are they going to look like when they have to play Houston or OKC in round two? What are they going to look like when they have to play? They have to play Houston. Yeah, exactly. What are they going to look like when they have to play? You know, the Clippers in the in the conference finals. I just don't. With the depth that they have, are they going to be able to let LeBron and AD go? you know, let's say two straight rounds of seven games before even getting to the Western Conference Finals? Are they going to be able to uh, allow them to have exert that much energy to put into really having that, you know, their playoff route be even more difficult than the Clippers, who are technically the two seed? I I just think that Portland presents a bigger, you know, uh, I, not that Dallas isn't a good team, but I think Portland presents a bigger chance of being able to limit the Lakers and what they can do because of how efficient a guy like Damian Lillard is. You know what I mean? So right. with with the Lakers having to play Portland in the first round, will, the, will we kind of see their depth start to slow, you know, will we see LeBron and AD start to slow down as they approach that, you know, the inevitable clash of Titans, I should say, uh, between the Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, assuming no one else upsets or anything like that. That's That's the way we're right. headed. We're headed for that, you know, the collision course between the Lakers and Clippers, uh, the battle of the L.A. teams. So I think and I think Portland can honestly 
that round one matchup between the Lakers and Portland could be the deciding factor in the Western Conference Finals when we see LeBron and AD start to really, you know, kind of tail off towards those, you know, five and six, seven games. So it's going to be something to watch for sure. And I think with Portland, they, they can definitely steal a game or two from the Lakers if they get in. It's really intriguing because... I think six games is reasonable for a Blazers Lakers series. I, I, you know, as much as I would like to see Portland win and, uh, you know, see them make a deep run in the playoffs, I don't think it happens. But, you know, the Lakers go six games with the Trailblazers and then have to play the Rockets. I, you know, I don't think it's even a given that the Lakers win that series. I think that will, you know, that's going to take a lot of perseverance and a lot of guts to get by the Rockets because the Rockets don't make it tough or they don't make it easy for anybody and we know Russell Westbrook is going to miss you know at least the start of the playoffs but if he's back in time for that series and uh you know Harden still firing all cylinders like it seems like he's been for most of the bubble and even most of the season um that series isn't going to be a given for the Lakers and you know I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rockets make that Western Conference finals run because I think the the Rockets have what it takes to get there um, especially in they have a good shot of doing it if they get handed a tired Lakers team. Um, there's no reason why the Rockets won't go into that series thinking they can do it. Uh, they're another team that has a chip on their shoulder from blowing a series against the Warriors going, uh, you know, 0 for 27 from three. I know that was probably a few years ago removed at this point, but, you know, that's something that's going to stay a little sour in your in your in your mouth for a little bit. Uh, when you're going into these playoff series saying like, hey, this is what people think of our team. They think of us as the guys who went 0 for 27 in a game seven. We got the Lakers who just went six games with Portland. You know, let's, let, you know, let's punch them in the mouth. Like, we can do it. We got the team to do it. So um, it, there are a lot of implications from this Portland Lakers series. I agree, um, especially depending on how long it goes and, uh, you know, how, the physical toll that Portland puts on this Lakers team. It'll be interesting to see going into the the Western Conference semifinals and the Western Conference finals, what the Lakers will look like. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, I, I don't say – don't even, um, you know, kind of discount OKC right now. You know, they right. – Chris Paul is proving that he still's got – he still has it. He can still play basketball at a very high level. And with Houston's playoff woes as of recently, as of the last few years, we kind of see Houston dominate throughout the regular season, and then they get into this you know playoff position to be able to really make a push. And then we see James Harden not be able to knock down threes, and we're just kind of like, what's going on? Is this what we're going to expect? And it's kind of the same question we ask about Lamar Jackson in the NFL. I'm going to you know kind of put it back to, you know, let's compare between. Lamar Jackson, we've only seen a few times in the playoffs, but each time it hasn't been it hasn't been a great performance. James Harden, we've seen a few more times, but every time it hasn't been a great performance. Is that going to be something that carries with him throughout the longevity of his career, or is that going to be something that he can kind of put to rest at some point and be able to say like, no, I'm here for it. Like I can I can play in big games at a high level. So um, you know, it, I think that's going to be that Houston OKC. Um, series it's probably that that could easily go to seven games because of you know the I, I you know because even Russell Westbrook and Chris, you know Chris Paul they were one of the major blockbuster trades that we've seen in the NBA for quite some time so you know Chris Paul I kind of has that chip on his shoulder like oh you wanted to get rid of me uh, for this guy I don't I don't think you should you know what I mean so I think there's it's a bit the familiarity with the two teams as well given absolutely um, you know uh, Harden and Westbrook are, are former Thunder players, and obviously the Thunder coaching staff will know what to do in terms of 
kind of the style Harden and uh, Westbrook like to play the game. And, you know, it, it can be a very good season. And I, I think it's a safe bet that that series goes to seven games. That, you know, that's that series just just stenches of a seven game nail biter. Um, so that's that's a series I'm definitely looking forward to. And it, yeah, I, I honestly I just want to see I want to see the Rockets get a shot at a tired Lakers team in the second round. I think that has the potential to be a really interesting series. And you know, that the, the, the Lakers run could end there. I don't think, I don't think it's something you should rule out. So, it, you know, at least on the Western conference side of the playoffs, I think things are going to get really interesting. I do as well. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say about Houston and OKC is I think Houston without a doubt is I, I think they have the more talent on their squad. I think that they, you know, in strictly talent, it's Houston. But in the way, you know, a team is able to form together, form around some, I think OKC has formed around Chris Paul. And they also have one of the better coaches within the NBA. I think Houston's going to be outcoached within this series by Billy Donovan. Then, you know, I just don't think Mike D'Antoni, I think he's a great coach. He's a great offensive. You know, he wants to put up those 120, 25 points a game. But at the same time, with a guy like Billy Donovan being able to really break it down, um, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, as Kim Murphy would say, I just think that OKC has a legitimate shot to not only take Houston to seven games, but even will themselves over Houston, especially if Russell Westbrook comes back and kind of throws off the you know balance of things within the Rockets, the Rockets' rhythm, I should say. So it could definitely be uh, Lakers OKC second round matchup. Which even then, I see the Lakers still dropping a game or two um, there just because of how how nasty and well, not nasty, but how physical and you know tolling that this Portland series will be in yeah. round one if Portland is able to win tonight or tomorrow night. Right. So uh, just to kind of backtrack for a sec for our, our listeners, in terms of this Blazers-Grizzlies game, uh, expect the Blazers to win this one. Kind of just to give our official statement, we got the uh, Blazers taking care of business here. I know Brandon said it. He doesn't even think the Grizzlies will keep it within 10 when it's all said and done. I, I agree 100%. I think the, the Blazers take care of business. Um, Lillard's going to pop off. It'll be entertaining nonetheless, but it won't have that 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 nail-biter effect, unfortunately. But that's what the rest of the playoffs are for. Uh, we just gave you a little quick preview of kind of what we expect to happen in the West and what the Blazers winning means. Um, do we have anything else about the West or this uh, Blazers-Grizzlies Game um, in general, I expect Damian. I got you know Damian Lillard. I I could see him dropping anywhere for you. You kind of put it the thirty eight to fifty two range. I'm gonna put a point on it. I think forty five is a legitimate shot. Is what yeah. you know Damian's gonna come out knowing this is his opportunity to get back into the playoffs, and he's gonna take advantage of it on a rather you know kind of depleted Memphis team, and we're gonna see Portland once again get back into the Western Conference playoffs, and Memphis once again be at home for the postseason all right so um uh the east do we want to get into the east at all maybe we could we could talk about a t- uh you know maybe a series from the east that right. you know kind so, of intrigues us i have my eyes on the celtics and sixers gotcha i don't know if you were looking at one specifically okay we can um, talk about the celtics and sixers yeah, i have i have I'm, another one i have another one that i yeah. really like but i'm 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 a really big uh, Jason Tatum guy, so I, I I really want the Celtics to pull through in this series. I I'm 
I want to see Jason Tatum pull through. I want to see Kemba. It's just, for me, it's really hard not to root for this Celtics team. And, you know, with being a Knicks fan and everything and the Knicks, uh, you know, always being trashed probably for eternity in the rest of my life for as long as I live, I don't think the Knicks will ever be good. <laughs> um, that's probably a mixture of pe- pessimism, but I think at the same time, I'm, I am I could rightfully so think that. I, I, I think I could say that right now, and there's probably about a 72% chance that I'm right. Um, so, you know, the but the Celtics are just a fun team to watch. And I had a lot of friends at UNF who are Celtics fans that I'd watch games with. And, um, you know, this is an interesting series. I, I feel like the Sixers have had their fair share of luck against the Celtics in the regular season. They, they played fairly well against them. I want to say they won most of the games they've played the Celtics in. Uh, so it should, it should be an interesting series, but Ben Simmons is going to be out. And I, I don't know what your expectations for the series are, but I, I could see the Celtics taking care of business in six games. I don't think the Celtics have looked great in the bubble, but I think they're going to slowly start finding that rhythm and they should be able to take care of business. I think they're going to win this series and set up what's going to be a fantastic series with the Raptors. I agree. I think, uh, I honestly, okay. Boston and Philadelphia has been one of the better back and forths we've seen in the NBA. I think in, in at know, least the past few years. Yeah. In, re- in recent years. Um, but this Philly team this year, I kind of, you know, gave them some praise with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid getting healthy. You know, they're a team on paper that should be, they should not, you know, be the sixth seed within this East. But, you know, they are. And so, therefore, we have to see a Boston-Philly first round. And, you know, while some may think that Boston is really going to, you know, this might go to six or seven games, I think Boston take takes care of it in four to five. I think they either sweep or get one, you know, Philly steals one game, maybe game three or something like that, to where it really doesn't matter at that point. But I just think Boston it has... They played too well this season to let a team like Philly, who's been just so up and down with injuries and even play when they aren't injured, for them to be able to upset Boston. So I'm going to take Jason Tatum and that Boston Celtics squad to win in four against Philly. Absolutely. I agree. I think think Boston definitely wins the series. Like I said, it's going to set up a series against the Raptors because I don't really see the Nets doing anything there. Um, Boston Toronto should be a great series. I got the opportunity to watch those two face off in December and it was a really good game. Lots of great performances all around. Um, you know, that's an interesting series in itself that we can, you know, maybe get into when that series is actually set in stone, but you said you had a series you were looking at. So I I have an idea of what I think this series is. Uh, but I'm going to let you go ahead and take it away. Absolutely. You know what? I'm eyeing that Indiana-Miami uh, you know, Indiana series. Yep. You know, you got a guy, TJ Warren, who has just emerged since since coming in the right. bubble. Victor Oladipo has been a piece for Indi- uh, since, you know, really getting there um, to, to being a pacer. And this Pacers team is looking very, very solid. You know, they might not... Um, really pop off the page to you if you you kind of just look down the roster. But they're a team that can really um, they can keep games close and they can 
pull out some victories. Miami, on the other hand, they got Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, you know, Tyler Hero, just guys that, you know, I, at least for me, I've heard a lot of this year. Kendrick Nunn as a undrafted free agent really emerging as one of the better Duncan rookies. Robin. Duncan Rodden, some, some, you know, pretty solid players within this year's NBA. So I think this series is very evenly matched. I think we're going to see um, – I think this is going to be that first-round series that we kind of – all keep our eyes on and watch till the very end because of how captivating it can be when watching these two teams go back and forth. And um, what there's, the, uh, there's some beef there between uh, Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. So yeah, uh, they're going to have to see each other for at least four games. And also they played each other uh, yesterday, the last game of the regular season. And now they got at least four games. I wonder, I, I think if there's any series where, uh, you know, chippiness becomes a factor and, tensions are rising a bit i think it's going to be this one i think yeah. eventually two teams are just going to be absolutely sick of each other yeah and, especially because you know, they're, they're going to have to maybe play each other eight times in a row so that's going to be very raise it'll raise the stakes i think i think you know i think you hit home on this one it'll be a very good series absolutely and uh yesterday didn't um miami win that one yeah they won 109 92 so um if we can or no they lost 109 92 yeah, i was about to say i was watching that portland was uh Portland kind of ran them out of the building. Indian, you mean Indy? Did I say Portland? Yeah, yeah Indy. Yeah, but in, in yeah, okay, that that makes sense. I think, um, but you have to look at it. They've okay. So in the last, they're gonna have to play the last nine out of ten games against Indy, in the other way around, right. because they also played on the tenth where Indy lost or Miami won one fourteen to ninety two. So that's just how much of a toss-up this series can be you right. know so it's i think it's really going to be a special one to really keep our eyes on and we can dive into it a bit more um whenever you know that comes around dive into the series uh it, it starts on tuesday we can watch game one and then talk about it a bit and look at right. the you know the rest of the series as a whole um when you know maybe on our wednesday show before we get think, into our divisional i think previews. the heat pacers could be could be one of those series where it, it'll go seven games, but all the games are blowouts. You know, you, you know how so? you kind of have, you'll have series like that sometimes. Like yeah, yeah. The 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 second Cavs Warriors finals was kind of like that up until Game Seven. Uh, all the games were decided by double digits, and they weren't really close. But it still just ended up being such a great series because uh, you know the Cavs were able to come back, and yeah. uh, Game Seven ended up being really close, uh, filled with great moments. I think I think you're kind of looking at a series like that, kind of. I kind of base that off, you know, the, the past two games they've played against each other, 109-92 Indy yesterday, and then what was it? 114-92. Heat on the 10th. Uh, you know, they're both teams are fully capable of blowing each other out, and, you know, it's just a matter of uh, I, I think you could see a lot of that, but, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be in favor of one team or the other. I think – you know, you're going to see it from both teams up until it hits that game six or seven point, and then you might start to see the scores get a bit closer and some more nail biters. But that, that's kind of what I think that series has the potential to be. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. And I think uh, looking at, you know, the entire playoff spectrum, I think uh, Indy, Miami, and then maybe even Denver and Utah are going to be two of the best. You know, even Houston, Oklahoma City are going to be you know, three of the best. They're all intriguing games. The only, you know, the two series. series that I don't really see being close are 
the Bucks and the Magic and the Raptors and the Nets. Every other series on here has potential to go yeah. at least six games. Yeah. I think. Uh, I, I think the Mavericks can give the Clippers a good run for their money, but at the end of the day, you know, that Clippers depth is just too good. I don't really see them losing up until the Western Conference Finals at the earliest. I think that team makes it. I'm pretty sure I went Clippers Celtics Finals way back before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back on that. So, uh, you know, I, I I think all these first round series are pretty entertaining. Um, you know, I think regardless of who the Bucks play in round two, whether it's the Heat or the Pacers, that's going to be a good series. Celtics Raptors is what I predict will happen. That'll be a good series. That'll be a very Lakers, good series. Ross, Lakers Rockets is also what I have. I think that'll be a good series. Uh, I, I I have to do a bit deeper of a dive into this Nuggets Jazz series, but kind of just looking at that in that game those two played the other day that double overtime game i think yeah. we should expect a great series there absolutely probably go with the nuggets and then nuggets clippers should be you know like i i think i think i feel like all these teams just match up against each other pretty well and it's going to create for a really entertaining playoff let alone in the bubble you know there's just so many things that could happen i think we're in for a lot of great moments absolutely and you, you kind of mentioned how outside of the you know the two top seeds in the east with the Bucks and the Raptors, these teams are, you know, these matchups are very, they could go down to the wire. We could see, you know, game six and seven. So, um, and I think you pointing out the, how the Clippers and Mavericks could really take this there with the Clippers and Mavericks, they could take their series to six and seven be strictly because of the spectacular, you know, performances that Luka Doncic can put on. Um, right. I know I said it whenever he was coming out of, uh, you know, coming into the draft out of um, the European leagues. I thought he was the best player that you know that you could possibly take, and you know some people disagreed. Trey Young got dra- uh, traded for him by Atlanta, and I think Atlanta's suffering because of that. Um, I think yeah. you know I think that this, that honestly, we might even be able to see Dallas pull out of pull out an upset over the Clippers, but we're gonna have to see Kristaps Porzingis put together the performances that he was putting on in New York. And if he, if he can't do that, uh, which he hasn't since he got to, you know, since he got to Dallas, if we can see the unicorn once again, watch out for game seven between this Clippers and Dallas. Is this going to be the first we see of Chris Tapps in the playoffs? I think it is. I think it is. And you know, we might be, if we can see that unicorn that, you know, that just spectacular, uh, big, big man, but he can just do so many things with the basketball, just make so many, you know, insane you just put on a, incredible performances. Yeah. This I, while I'm, while Dallas might not win, I tell you what, the Clippers might be you know biting their fingernails as we get into round two against either Denver or Utah. I miss Chris Dapps on the Knicks, man. He I don't understand why they <laughs> traded him, but that's... I don't know. But I think he got into some off the court trouble, and then uh, that led to part of it. Yeah. I will say I do have a lot of rooting interest in, in the Trailblazers because of Carmelo Anthony. I would yeah. like to see him play well and put together some good performances. Chris Tapps, on the other hand, I, you know, kind of good riddance to him. Huh. Obviously, that wasn't meant to be. So, I don't for know. sure, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun playoffs. It's all NBA playoffs. I think always come through. Um, yeah, I tell you know, what, my dream matchup is the Lakers versus Portland because my number one is LeBron, my number two is Dame. And I, I kind of mentioned it on Twitter the other night. The hair to my throne in terms of my fandom after LeBron steps down, Damian Lillard's my guy. So it's yeah. gonna be 
I, I'm going to really thoroughly enjoy that series. And while I, you know, I want LeBron to get that other ring with his third team, um, I just, I'm, I want to see a six or seven game series between these two, just battling it out. Um, right. As you know, it, it, I, I'm kind of torn between what I want. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. for this playoffs, and I'm really excited I for postseason. Say- you know, sports to be back. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's like I know you're a really avid LeBron fan. Yeah, um, I wouldn't really say there's a player in the NBA that I'm like that for. But um, you know, Kawhi Leonard is definitely really high up on my list. I just really admire kind of the tone that Kawhi plays with. You know, he kind of just plays the game in silence. He keeps to himself. He's humble. I really like that about him. He's kind of just he like he's kind of, you know. He kind of just reminds you of the Terminator. He's a robot. Like he's there he's to do, literally a robot. He's there, yeah, he's there to do one thing, and it's, you know, to make your life miserable. Uh, and then I really am a big fan of Jason Tatum. He's up there on my list. And probably, I think I think Kawhi, Tatum, and Harden would round out, like, you know, my top three favorite players in the league. Gotcha. Uh, just in terms of entertainment value and uh, how fun they are to watch and what they can do with the basketball. And I, I don't know. They're, they're all... I know Harden plays the game very interesting in terms of how he likes to draw fouls and whatnot. And I I can understand how it's frustrating for some uh, basketball fans, but you you gotta, I feel like you just gotta love and admire what he does because he has been a consistent top 10 player in the league. I feel like for at least most of his Houston career. For sure. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I've always enjoyed watching him. Plus the beard, you know, how how are you going to hate the beard? (laughs) And the yeah. day he shaved his beard is probably the he day won't that he won't shave it ends. he won't yeah, shave it and, and if he does it'll be after retirement yeah you know no he's got to keep that for most that's of that's kind of how Minshew is with the mustache yeah like even you though know, Minshew, he's been looking pretty solid in uh yeah he has back camp I feel like yeah so but yeah so um as we wrap up today's show what's the best thing you saw today Matt best thing I saw today well. I don't really it's still early, but have you seen yeah, anything it's, great? It's very early. Well, let's sing. Let me go into the archives of my mind here a little here. bit. Yeah. I can, I can, uh, I can yeah. give you something. So earlier today, right after our intro, um, you know, Matt and I took like a five minute break or whatever. So I was on Twitter scrolling through, and I saw this dude getting his head waxed, and I, I, I'm just mind boggled at what someone wants. You know, someone goes through in their head to think it's a good idea to get their head waxed. He was sitting in the chair just screaming because if anyone has ever had anything waxed, they know that it is it, it kind of hurts, okay? It, it definitely is not something you want to do with your hair, with the top of your head. So he's sitting there and his barber's just cracking up laughing because he knew this was a bad idea. And the guy gets up and it just kind of looks like he's angry. And the barber's like, bro, you wanted to do this. And I'm just like, that is literally, that, that makes so makes no sense as to why they would want to do that. But it, it was just, I, I thought that was pretty funny. So that's probably the best thing I've seen at 1121 on this August 15th, 2020. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm blanking definitely. Um, I could give a quick little rant on the Mets game last night. because Give that, it to us. You know, worst they, they worst thing I saw today. Yeah, we're, well, yeah, so I guess I, I didn't get to – I was watching some of the game. I didn't get to see all of it. Um, Jacob deGrom got scratched because he was having neck stiffness, which, you know, knowing the Mets' luck is probably going to lead to spinal stenosis and his career is over. Uh, that's Met fan pessimism right there at its finest. But he got scratched. He ended up not pitching. Walker Lockett came in, and, you know, he wasn't terrible. Um, he, he was kind of holding his own for the for the most part. Dom Smith – 
uh, and Robbie Cano went back to back to give him a 4-2 lead. Robinson Cano was in uh, for his first time since coming off the IL, and you know he was right back to business. He was having a really good season before he was hurt. And then all of a sudden, uh, JT Real Muto hits a three-run home run to give the Phillies a 5-4 lead. Robinson Cano has an RBI to tie it in the ninth. And then in the bottom of the ninth, my probably least favorite athlete in any sport collectively, uh, stupid hair Bryce Harper, sends a shot into right field, uh, a single. Conforto grabs it, throws a laser to home plate to get the guy out. But Wilson Ramos, who is probably the worst player in baseball, uh, takes a sweet little time to place the tag down. The runner ends up beating the tag, and the Phillies win the game on a walk-off. And it was- wow. Absolutely pathetic. Conforto delivered an absolute laser from right field to get the guy out. It was on a rope, and the t- it was probably the most poor attempt at tagging a guy out at home as you'll ever see. It was awful, and the Mets lost because of it. And it's just one of those games kind of similar to, uh, you know, most of the season. It's just, well, the Mets should have won that game. They had no business losing that game. Um, you know, there were multiple – there were games against Boston where we had runners on – uh, bases loaded, no outs in the top of the ninth, down one, and we don't get a guy in. And, you know, we lose these games, and, it, you know, it's frustrating. They're 9-12. and 12. It should be, you know, it should be the other way around. Um, so it, it looked like it was going well. They had pulled off a good two-game win streak over the Nationals, and, uh, you know, it. they continue to kind of just they, – they continue to confuse their fans night in and night out. Uh, you sure. know, they'll give us some hope, and then the next day it's just like, well, is you know, what's the deal with this team? So who knows? Um, Also, in terms of the the MLB season, uh, I think the Reds just had someone test positive for COVID. So uh, you'll you'll probably start seeing games get postponed there. Uh, I don't know. The MLB season has been a roller coaster ride for sure. I don't know what's going to happen with it. But, uh, you know, for now, I hope it keeps going. Obviously, we talked about that tweet. The Mets haven't played any games without complications. I hope that can uh, continue to be the case. And, you know, it, it would be it's it would be awesome to see this baseball season finish. But uh, no one knows what's going to happen in terms of right now. Absolutely. So it will be an interesting ride. Absolutely. So as we approach the hour mark in the 23rd ever Sunshine State takes, we sign off, say goodbye, and we'll see you Wednesday as we see continue our NFL divisional previews with the NFC South. We're going to get into the Brady Bucks, the, uh, you know, expectations for Drew Brees and his uh, 41-year-old season. And it's it's going to be a good show. I, I said it on one or Thursday when we recorded. There's just so much to unpack in the NFC South. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that episode and going through the schedules and seeing what's what. So we're looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you Wednesday. You guys have a good one.